Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. When it comes to customer service, Jackie Scammell is one of Australia's leading experts. She's the founder and CEO of Service Q, where she spends her days helping businesses big and small reimagine the future of service through mindset and behaviour. And with 35 plus years experience, Jackie knows just what it takes to deliver exemplary service. She's the author of several best-selling books on service, including Service Mindsets and Service Habits. And she joins us today to share her insights on how your business can deliver a service that keeps customers coming back for more. Hey, Jackie, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. (laughs) Now, you are an absolute customer service guru. You've spent like over 30 years. Don't want to date you, but that's the truth of it. (laughs) Doing customer service, working in customer service areas. So what what initially drew you to that field? What, What inspired this journey into the customer experience? Oh, fun, fun question. So um, 14 years and nine months, I enrolled into the most incredible international business school where I stayed for seven years and learned teamwork and operations and customer service and all the quirky things of human behavior. And I'm pretty sure everyone here that's listening has been there and they would know it as McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that was really my beginning, you know, like I just as a young, young girl, like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to take on the world, just fell in love with this idea of service and all the the different unpredictable, you know, nature of humans that came through the drive through and in the dining room. And, and although, you know, the product was Big Mac and fries, there was the same sort of challenges then that, you know, fast forward. 30 plus years later, um, I'm experiencing with all of our clients that we work with in all sorts of industries and sectors. And I think, you know, those types of environments back in the 80s and the 90s were just great training grounds for young young people and I, and I was clearly open to it. Um, and then, you know, fast forward, I got to spend time in amazing places, you know, major stadiums and events like Wembley National Stadium and home of the Aussie Open here in Melbourne. And I was working with really big teams, like thousands of staff literally serving millions of customers in some cases. And again, same same problem, same, same unpredictable nature of humans where you're trying to be consistent, deliver on a promise, give a great product or service, but we've got these emotions and things that happen between two people, the employee and customer. So I just became obsessed about it and realised that, this was my thing, you know. <laughs> so what was the kind of pivotal moment for you then? Because, you know, as you say, so many kids go into a job at McDonald's. But <laughs> interestingly, a lot of entrepreneurs that I've spoken to as well have had their first job at Macca's and often talk about what a great mm-hmm. training ground it is for customer mm-hmm. service. But but for you, what was the moment where you went, actually, this is really my jam. This is yeah. what I want to do for for my work for forever (laughs) not forever you might change your mind but ongoing yeah Yeah. (laughs) um it was it was what I received from it you know it's what what I realized I was gaining by 
bringing a service mindset to my work and to my teams and to the people that I was serving as their leader or their stakeholder and realizing that you know that 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 social connection and that sort of that meaning and significance that you can create in one little moment with another human actually gave me something in fact there's been science that's just come out recently by an amazing um award-winning professor by the name of Wendy Suzuku who has studied this whole sort of longevity of life thing that everyone's, you know, leaning into at the moment and what are the enablers that make for a happy, long, healthy life. And she explains that the number one enabler above all is positive social interactions. And she goes on to say it's not, you know, the positive interaction you have with your bestie, it's the positive social interactions that you have each day you know, just moving out throughout the world with ordinary interactions with the guy behind the the cafe barista machine or, you know, the the lady at the dry cleaners. And and I think I realised that early on that there's something here that I'm learning about myself that I'm experiencing and growing from the thousands of customers that, you know, have taught me more about me, more about how I show up, my triggers, my what what my resilience. Um and that is what still to this day drives me. Like I've literally got thousands of customers to thank for who I feel I'm becoming as a human being now. Mm. That's that's so interesting. But it, it is, um, you're quite right and she's quite right. Those everyday interactions are really can be what makes a difference in someone's uh, state of mind and, mm-hmm. and makes their day. So mm. it's interesting that you bring that up. So you are the founder and the CEO of Service Cube. So can you yeah. can you tell us a bit more about the mission and the vision behind that? Yeah, great. Um, the, the business is really to help reimagine what service is in society and sort of bring a new conscious awareness to what service really is. I think there's a stigma around even the phrase or the term customer service and people just have visions of, you know, like it's a bunch of people in a call centre or someone serving behind a counter. But, um, you know, our mission is to elevate this conversation and and really see exactly what you just said, Sess, like the whole, the ordinary interactions in a day is really a reflection of who we are as a society. And we all can make a difference. We don't need to be CEOs or earn big money or be a influential you know politician or social media influencer to make a difference like each of us can make a difference to this service culture um in in our society and so our mission is to sort of break down what might feel like a really big project for a workforce or a business or a big idea in in community and break it down into bite-sized chunks and help people start by looking at their mindsets first because we all carry lots of unconscious biases and preferences and even beliefs and stories about the customer or service or you know what we really do in our day jobs and we break that right down to the minutiae of starting with mindset and then we slowly build on habits and we look at the day-to-day service habits language behaviors that show up you know in your interactions and and then eventually we we take people to a journey of self-regulation and get people to look at how do they manage their own emotions like service is emotional it's subjective and so have you got you like in those moments when a customer's grumpy or frustrated or having a strong emotion how do you manage that so yeah it's it's super fun and we love what we do and we're working with an amazing amount of clients that are just doing fascinating work in the world 
I imagine as well it must have been particularly difficult for a lot of people during that the height of the pandemic. There were so many difficult customers <laughs> making service oh. a real challenge. So what would your advice have been to, to people in, in that time in terms of how they dealt with their service mindset to help them navigate it was such, that. Yeah, it wasn't it. It was just such a, a hard time for everyone. I think we all experienced fear and uncertainty and a sense of frustration at a whole new level. And, um, you know, one of the things I say at the moment is that customer service, I certainly believe in parts of Australia and New Zealand died in 2020. Like things just dropped off and you know, there were staff shortages and supply chain issues and, like, there was just stuff going wrong for everyone that was constantly letting the customer down. And I think we were very forgiving for that first year and I'm not sure it's even fair to blame the pandemic, you know, for perhaps some of the mediocre service that we saw. Um, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the pandemic just shone a light on what was already there and it just amplified people under stress and pressure. Um, So what I would say is that the companies that really roared through that period and came out the other end, not just surviving, but, you know, um, being competitive and perhaps standing out from their competitors was those that already had a foundation in place before the pandemic. And the foundation I'm talking to is things like that their business had shared values, they had shared language, they were explicit already about what they expected between the human to human interactions regardless of the outcome and there were some fundamentals in place with their culture that they they already had instilled so when that crisis hit they were able to still make their customers feel like we've got you like we we can't control the fact that we have no staff or we can't control that we've got no stock um but what we can control is the way we're going to treat you in this moment. And I, I reckon they're the businesses that are, are, are stronger today now than perhaps um, some others were a few years ago. Mm. I just want to pick up on one thing that you were talking about then, which was the human interactions. I mean, there's uh, so much AI and automation going on at the moment and a lot of it is really great for for business because it's freeing them up to do other things. But what about that human touch in the customer service? How do we make sure it doesn't become obsolete? Because that human interaction is often sometimes the most important part of of a sale. Yeah, you're spot on. There's this sort of, if I can paint a picture for, for people in their mind, picture a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid, let's call it the service pyramid, is um you know, technology. Like I think we're living in this digital era now where technology is absolutely and it's an enabler and we want, there are times when we want technology because we've become used to the speed and the efficiencies and the convenience. But at the top of the pyramid is connection. Um, and like you said, says whether it's a sales conversation or whether it's, you know, um, a customer recovery piece or whether it's meeting a new customer for the first time, We're all seeking some sort of connection and that's where the human element comes into this service pyramid and the humans are the ones that do that best. And so somewhere in the middle of this pyramid is a a hybrid where 
customers and and you and me, we all, there are times when we want technology, but there are also times when we want that connection. And it's up to businesses now to really think through those touch points and, and take a step back and go, what are all the touch points that my customers have with my business and where do I think they're going to want that human touch and that human connection piece? And we're seeing this now, you know, where companies are, you know, accelerating the self-service or the convenience or the the, the, the speed and technology piece, but they're also holding on to the, the human aspect of a service interaction and saying, hey, we're still on the end of the phone and, in fact, we encourage it. Um, and I reckon businesses need to do that. That's a really important piece of work in this era um, and knowing why you're doing that, you know, because one of the questions a lot of clients are asking at the moment of, of our company at ServiceQ, they're asking, well, what's the value of the human in the service interactions? And my response to that is, yeah, get clear on where the human is, but also how how well are they bringing their human qualities in that interaction? Because if they're just being like a robot, (laughs) then then we're we're not really um, elevating the beautiful multifaceted five dimensions of what a human brings to service. And that that's what needs more discussion, I think, for businesses now. It's a nice lead in for your new book. It's called The Future of Service is 5D. So I think you've kind of touched a little on it there. What is is, uh, 5D service? Can you explain what you mean by that and why it's so important? So we've touched on it already, you know, identifying that humans are are multidimensional and there's layers to us and it's not just you know, two-dimensional where it's a body and a, and a mind. Um, and so what I, the, the goal of this book is to really remind everyone um, who reads it that we need to create an environment in our workplaces where we are letting employees see all those dimensions and connect to all those dimensions of the human they're serving. So, and, and picture it like a hierarchy because there is a hierarchy in taking care of people. And so we want to we picture 5D like a hierarchy. So at the bottom is the physical dimension and this is all about your physical workplace, um, the way your staff are dressed, their bodily gestures, the way they communicate through the physical dimension. And then there's the cognitive dimension, which is, you know, the thinking aspect of service, the problem solving, the decision making, the part where we as customers want you as a business to be helpful and solve our problems. And then there's the emotional dimension. And that's about realising and remembering that service is emotional and we need to understand not just the emotions that we're witnessing but also stuff that sits underneath the surface of our customers the perhaps the more unconscious needs of our customers and then the the fourth dimension is the social dimension and that's remembering that um, we're all yearning for connection in some shape or form and belonging and the brands and businesses that really tap into this and make their customers feel like they belong um, and that they feel seen and heard and that they matter really nail service and then the fifth and final dimension is the spiritual dimension and that's reminding everyone that you know us humans we all are seeking meaning and significance and the ordinary interactions with the dry cleaning lady or the guy at the petrol station can actually be in that moment for someone else really meaningful or significant and it's realizing that there are unexpected needs that we always have that are not always seen but that we are human and that we are looking for that 
genuine please, that genuine thank you, that smile on a human's face. It just makes us all feel a little more brighter and hopeful in a day. So that's the 5D service framework and um, it really is bringing out how do we do this in a digital era, um, which is super, super complex and advancing every day and reminding people that humans still serve best as long as we're approaching service through those multifaceted um, layers. Mm. So if I'm a business owner and I'm listening in today and I've heard all this and I'm going, yeah, Jackie, preach, that's that's heard to my staff so that they're delivering exemplary service. Well, you got to buy the book first and foremost because it'll ah, show, ah, show you. <laughs> <laughs> It'll show you what to do. <laughs> um, and, and, and and there is some really, really practical, tangible tips in the book that anyone could pick up in any service space and go, oh, yeah, I can see how this can apply. Um, and I think one of the things that I love doing in this space is breaking down things into real bite-sized granular chunks. So I think a business owner or a business leader who's listening to this, really it is about first acknowledging and and being open to the fact that service is simple and yet it, it's quite layered. And if we keep it simple and look at each layer step by step, then we've got a good chance of doing great service ourselves but also creating conditions for our, our team and the people around us to do it as well. Um, and I would start with you know, the 101. So do people feel safe when they come to work? Is there some psychological safety in place? And do people, is there a good place of well-being in your workplace where people come to work and feel good and feel well? Because that's going to ooze out and leak out in their language and behaviour. Um, do people feel empowered? Do they have confidence to make decisions? Um, in the emotional dimension, as a leader, you want to start thinking about, well, have my employees got um, an understanding of what matters? Have they got a level of emotional intelligence? And how am I helping them with that? How am I role modelling that? Um, in the social dimension, as a leader, you want to be thinking about your sense of belonging in your own teams. So, you know, it's one thing to ask our customers to connect to our brand, but how well are our staff connecting to our brand? Do they feel that they belong to this 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 business and that they can see the value that they bring to the success of the whole. Um, and finally, bringing it back to the leader, have you got a workforce and a workplace where you are showing people the significance and the meaning that they're creating for someone else's life, um, for their customer's life? And you can see here what I'm doing is I'm flipping this into are you serving your employees? So mm. if I'm a business owner or business leader and listen to this, the place to start is to look inside, to look inside the business and ask, are we doing this for each other before we even start looking at how we're doing this for the customer? Yeah, so fostering a great culture within the yeah. business before you, you you look externally at totally. how you're delivering. Yeah, that's actually very practical. Yeah. Mm. Um, what would be some misconceptions that you might have seen people have about what great service is over the years? Well, thanks to the industrial age, we've, you know, this is no one's fault and no one's, you know, wrong or um, broken, but we have as a society been conditioned to apply logic, systems, processes, rules. We've been conditioned to be so efficient in the workplace that I think one of the misconceptions is that customer service is all about efficiencies. And yet 
the truth is that's only half of our job and the other half of our job, any of our jobs, is to also bring an emotional perspective to service. And that's that's the things like bringing some good judgment to a situation, bringing your human values, your human spirit, common sense, you know, the stuff that sometimes as a customer we we get frustrated by because we think, you know, how did that employee not see that or how did they, you know, not think to ask that question of me? And I think the answer sometimes is not because people don't care, it's just that they're so focused on being efficient that they actually lose sight of those human qualities that is equally important and so one of the misconceptions is service is all about being efficient and I throw rocks at that and go yeah nah that's half of it and we need to build muscle around being emotionally fit and resilient and being emotionally intelligent and aware of what's going on for that person in front of you um another misconception is that you can't teach people to care well I throw rocks at that too I think that at a, at a deep level, all of us care and we all want to feel that we've helped someone or we've made someone's day or we had a positive impact, even just a little bit. And so the the way we get it, get around that objection is um, to get people to not ask themselves if they care but to remember that they do care and Sometimes we just forget, you know, we're all so busy and, you know, we've got up to 100,000 thoughts a day running through our heads and we're bouncing between so many devices and busy to-do lists and half of the problems in customer service has got nothing to do with technical capability or a lack of people's care. Most of it is that people are just not present. They're not, they're not there. They're not paying attention and they're not with you in that moment. So they're missing cues they're missing non-verbal cues they're missing verbal cues they're they're not even paying attention to or listening to what you're saying as a customer because their brain their mind is just somewhere else so I reckon sometimes the most extraordinary service interactions are the people that are most extraordinarily serve it like present with you in that service interaction and um yeah I would say one of the misconceptions around on you know people just don't care is is not true it's just that people forget and they're 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 somewhere else (laughs) in Mm. that moment so how do we teach people to be more attentive then like how is that a mind shift or a behavior shift yeah it's both it's a great question um in one of my previous books that I wrote service habits we break this down um into seven different habits and they're all around things like um mental training like watching your thoughts like doing a quick mindset reset, teaching people how to reset in the moment and check in and go, where, where is my head right now? What am I thinking? And then realising the impact of those thoughts and that if those thoughts are about a past event or a future event, something that hasn't even happened yet, you're probably not going to behave and speak and show up in a way that's best for that person. Um, even one of our habits, Sess, is around meditation. You know, like I, I've got countless research to talk about how people that do some mental reps and mental training each day, aka meditation, have got a lot more um, mental fitness and they're able to, you know, in the moment come back to a place of I'm here for you and sort of let their thoughts about other stuff go into the background and into the into the sort of 
background of their mind. So there's heaps of practical ways of building muscle with the mental agility. Um, but, you know, it is a combination of resets and mindset resets and doing daily practices around, you know, good, sharp thinking. Hmm. So how do you you think the landscape of customer service is going to change in the next few years? Do you think it will be very different to what we see now? Yes, I do. I, I think I think at the moment mediocre customer service is rampant and we're all a bit jack of it um, as the customer. I think that people are, with the cost of living increasing and with um, – things being harder and I think we all know there's harder days and years to come still we we expect more as a customer and businesses are realizing this and some of the conversations I have behind closed doors with reputable very very reputable big brands they're working day and night trying to fix this and what's interesting is that where we are beginning the fixing is coming back to what we've talked a lot about today which is mindset So I think people in our society are going to realise that there is an expectation, whether you're the customer or the employee, um, that people have. And as digital and technology continues to advance at the rapid pace that it is, when people are in front of a human being, there's an expectation that 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 experience is better than what it is currently. Um, So my sense is that There's going to be a lot more competitiveness. Um, There's going to be more demand from customers and less tolerance. And the digital space is is creating this tension in businesses about how well are your humans serving in those human touch points. And, you know, even think about if technology fails, if a system goes down or you know, the lights turn off and we all of a sudden don't have access to some of the technology that businesses are dependent on these days to get the job done. How well equipped are the humans to step up and and do that, you know, in an analogue way and in a way that people feel cared for and that, you know, they're in control? And I think we need to be prepared for all types of scenarios. COVID showed us that. Um, so, I think it's going to get harder and it's going to be more competitive and I think the human aspect is the piece that's in question at the moment because there's no question that technology is doing its thing and it's 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 certainly um headlining <laughs> but um we we need to get a grip on what we expect and and um, and I think we owe it to each other in society to take service to another level and um and create a ripple effect where all of us feel like we've got a stake in each other. Hmm. So what about what you were just talking about just then, like if something systems fail and, you know, everything goes down and can the, the customer service people still do their job? What about should there be some kind of crisis response in place already so that, that your team knows what to do if, if things go wrong? Yeah, one of the things we do with a lot of the leadership um, programs is we we actually run what we call real scenarios and it's it's unpacking likely likely scenarios or scenarios that have sort of happened before where they want to you know go a little bit deeper and look at how they could do it better um, and think about how well are our people equipped for that and again if I come back to the five dimensions it's thinking through the lens of are our people um, 
physically, you know, their well-being and do they feel physically safe to be equipped in that scenario? Have they got the, the tools to make the right decisions in that scenario? Are they emotionally resilient and able to bounce back in that scenario? Have we got a good social cohesion in this business where we're all going to stick together and um, work together with shared values? Like what's our reference point when a crisis happens? Where do we go to make decisions as a collective? And, you know, at a spiritual dimension in a, in a crisis, um, are our people equipped to see what really matters to our customers and our stakeholders in that moment? What's the most meaningful, significant thing? And so, yeah, it is, I, I absolutely think that, you know, businesses that run through scenarios are going to roar through any recession and come out the other end stronger um, than their competitor, for sure. What about brand reputation? How much of a brand's reputation hinges on its customer service? Oh, well, it's, you know, how many books have been written about that? I mean, it's like the thing, right? Like customer service is a long game. It's such a long game. And this is the thing, like in a world at the moment where we live in instant gratification and we want everything now and we've got so many choices at our fingertips, loyalty is such a valuable currency. But when you've got it, like you've just got to nurture it and really like treat it like a precious stone, you know, really protect it. So I think... Um, it's everything. It's everything. Brand reputation is everything. And, you know, we see this globally now where trust has become a real challenge, um, whether it's, you know, big tech companies who um, haven't been so great with privacy and data of their customers um, that have created mistrust or pharmaceutical companies that, um, you know, have misled customers with certain um, pharmaceutical products and, and that's harmed customers. Or, you know, there was a bank in the US, Well Fargo's, that had employees create thousands of fake accounts to meet their targets. Um, and th- this stuff just, it's just layered with trust issues. And so a business that continually can show customers, particularly in a crisis, that you can trust us and 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 we 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 under deliver and over promise we actually give you 10 times the value you expect and we deliver on our word we tell you the truth that is just gold in customer service and um I'd like to think that you know we we do that in our business and we live each day with those values but equally the clients we work with um have those same those same values thank you so much Jackie I think we're we're just about out of time so any final thoughts for our for our business owners that might want to start actioning your 5D service principles? What what advice would you have them to get started? Buy um, the book. <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's start there. Buy the book. And if you're thinking about this and you're worried about time, like when's the right time, my humble advice is start yesterday. The the time thing will always be um, a barrier for leaders and business owners. Like, oh, we're about to do a restructure, or about to change, you know, offices or, you know, end of financial year. There's always going to be a reason why not to start, um, but there's a thousand more reasons why you should start. So I might encourage everyone to check out the book and think about this. And we're always here to, to talk through people's challenges and discover, you know, how we can help you in any way. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really lovely chatting to you, Jackie. Thanks, sis. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure.